Well, hi there. What a privilege it is to preach God's word today. My name is Charles. I'm one of the pastors at King's. I'm going to be speaking from Proverbs chapter 27, verses 1 to 11, on the joy of friendship. I really hope today's message will resonate with most of us, if not all of us, because we've been going through a challenging period. During this global pandemic, every single one of us, to some degree or another, has experienced the absence of friendship. We've literally been in lockdown and we've missed each other. We really have missed each other. Lockdown has meant that we've lived a simple life. We've been confined to our homes. And for some of us, that has literally meant being alone. You may live alone and this time has been uniquely challenging for you. For others of us, we've been you know, in our homes with maybe a few people and yet we've still felt lonely. It's interesting, isn't it, that we can be with a small group of people or sometimes lots of people and still feel lonely. For others of us, you know, you might have been planning a really special wedding day this summer. Maybe you've postponed that to next summer, or maybe you've gone ahead and done it this summer, but with far fewer people than you had hoped. For others of us, maybe we've had someone die during this season, maybe a friend or a family member, and you've not felt the comfort or the support of many others that you would have hoped to during this period. For others of us, maybe you've had a baby join you just in this period. And maybe there's lots of friends or family that haven't yet met the newborn baby and been able to see them in person. That can be really tough. Or for others of us, maybe like me, you're a Liverpool fan and you're buzzing at the fact that Liverpool have won the league for the first time in 30 years. And yet you're sad that you weren't able to celebrate it as you had hoped. For those reasons and for many others, we experience the absence of friendship during this time. I've also uh, found it really tough. I mean, I've been living uh, at home with my, my wife, Amy. She's fantastic, but I've been driving her crazy, honestly. I'm an extrovert. I love talking to people. I love being around people. And so I often just go in the study when she's working. And I just want to chat. I just want to say hello. And there's been several occasions where I've walked in. She's been on one of those Zoom calls with her colleagues. I've been there waving to her colleagues. I found it hilarious. She, on the other hand, did not. Uh, it took us a while to get over that one. Sorry, Amy. But seriously, it's been a difficult time for all of us. The great news is, of course, that lockdown restrictions are starting to ease. Praise the Lord. But all of us need wisdom, real wisdom, in how we progress and proceed during this season of life. Before we get to the passage that I want to speak to today, I just want to let you in on a little secret. That's right, a little secret. I just want to check that you're listening to me. Um, now that you, I've got your attention, I want to let you in on a secret, okay? So Amy and I, my wife, you know, we've been at King's Church London for seven years. And I have to be honest and say that the first three years, we felt really lonely. Now that's probably a surprise to lots of you. I was on staff, we were newly married, we had lots going on, we socialised with lots of people, we associated with lots of people. On the outward appearance alone, you would have felt like we had it all together. But actually, we would go home, we had a strong marriage, but we still felt lonely. We just felt like no one really got us. No one really understood us. No one really knew us. And so we just felt lonely. Then one day, I spoke to one of the pastors at King's, and they gave me some really good advice. They said, maybe, you know, instead of trying to be best friends with everyone, instead of trying to get to know everyone, maybe just focus on one or two people. Because after all, you know, we can be friendly with everyone. But most of us only have the capacity to build really strong friendships with just one or two people. We felt that was really sound advice. And so Amy and I started to invest in just a couple of people. And you know what? We found 
that we built really great friendships. And now we experience what Proverbs 27 talks about. We experience the pleasantness and the joy of friendships. It's really great. So I just want to let you in on our personal experience as we get to this topic. And we're going to see that friendships are so, so important. Friendships are so important. They bring us joy. They bring us a pleasant experience. But the question as we come to Proverbs 27 is how do we develop deep friendships during this time? Let's going to, we're going to jump straight in. We're going to read Proverbs chapter 27, verses 1 to 11. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you, and not your own mouth. An outsider, not your own lips. Stone is heavy, and sand a burden, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Anger is cruel and fury overwhelming, but who can stand before jealousy? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. One who is full loathes honey from the comb, but to the hungry, even what is bitter tastes sweet. Like a bird that flees its nest is anyone who flees from home. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family, and do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. Be wise, my son, and bring joy to my heart. Then I can answer anyone who treats me with contempt. Well, the proverb begins with a picture of what isolation and what folly looks like. Verse one, we get the picture of a person who's just really boastful, really proud and arrogant and is isolated and lonely because they boast about their self-sufficiency. Here the encouragement isn't to boast about tomorrow because we do not know what tomorrow may bring. I'm sure we can relate to that, can't we? During this global pandemic, if there's one thing that we've learned, we've learned that we cannot boast about anything because we do not know what tomorrow may bring. We can't take anything for granted. You see, before the pandemic, you know, food was easily accessible. You didn't have to queue up at Tesco's or Sainsbury's or wherever you shop on hours and hours and hours on end to get food. You know, you didn't have to worry about the accessibility of toilet roll and all these things. That was just a given that you could get toilet roll. Or what about, you know, hanging out with friends and family? We took it for granted that we could just see them all the time. But if there's one thing that we've learned is that we can't take anything for granted. You see, things change. And wisdom says that we shouldn't boast about tomorrow because we do not know what tomorrow may bring. You see, the image in verse one to four is of someone who's isolated and lonely because they boast. They they praise themselves and actually they provoke others in such a way that they force them to carry a heavier burden than uh, sand and stone. They are even jealous of other people. You see, verse one to four reads more like a guide on how to lose friends than win friends. And it's about what not to do. It's about what not to do. Because deep down, we know that human beings are created and made for relationships. We know that every single one of us are at our best when we're in relationships. That's why we're all itching to get back together and see each other again. But it's also part of being made in the image of God. You see, God is always in perfect community with himself, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. He in and of himself is a perfect loving community, always in relationship. 
And see, part of being an image bearer of God, part of being created in God's image, is that we too are wired for connection. It's part of our DNA. We're made to be in relationships with one another. You see, that's why in the Genesis account, in, one, in Genesis 1 to 2, the creation account, God looks across everything he's made and everything is good. But there's one thing that is not good. Do you know what it is? That's right. It's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for Adam to be alone. Adam was our representative, as it were. He represented mankind. And just like Adam, it was not good for him to be alone. Likewise, it's not good for us to be alone. We are wired for connection. We're wired for intimacy. We're wired to be in relationships with one another. You see, that's why we don't feel good when we're isolated and lonely. Some of us today may feel like we're isolated from God. Some of us today might feel like we're isolated from other people. Perhaps like we're wandering around in the dark, wondering, you know, trying to make sense of this world, trying to make sense of our lives. Well, let me tell you this, that life only makes sense when primarily we're connected to God and then to other people. Life only makes sense when we're connected to God. You see, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. If you're someone here who feels isolated from God, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond and come back to connection and relationship with God. You'll get an opportunity at the end. But firstly, we are to step into connection because that's exactly what we were made for. So how are we to step into connection? Well, I think that Proverbs 27 gives us three really practical words of wisdom, at least three, on how to step into connection. Firstly, be frank. I'm not saying that you need to be a person or be a man called Frank, of course. I mean, be honest, be real, be genuine with people. Let's have a look at verses five to six and verse nine. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Perfume and incense bring joy to the heart, and the pleasantness of a friend springs from their heartfelt advice. Be frank, be real, be honest, be genuine with people. You see, we all sense it and smell it when someone isn't being real with us, when they're faking it, when they're not being genuine. We know they're not being real, and you know we've experienced people like that, and we don't really like being around them. They may, you know, give us kisses at the end of text messages. They may put loads of emojis at the end of a, you know, a, a message to us. But we know deep down that they're not being real. But we've also experienced the type of relationship where someone is completely honest and real. And we like them, don't we? We're drawn to them because we know that if they're real with us, we can be real with them. We learn to trust them. We learn to really, really value their friendships. You see, when we're around people that aren't real and authentic, It's like what the proverb says, that it's like hidden love. In fact, everything is hidden. We don't really get to know the person. They don't really get to know us. And in fact, we'd actually much rather an open rebuke because an open rebuke gives us the space and the time to have an open and honest dialogue. Even when it's painful, it's worthwhile to have those conversations, by the way, because it strengthens the relationship. You see, in in my experience, when a friend has come to me and has talked to me about maybe flaws in my character or mistakes I've made or things that I've just got wrong. When they've been really real and honest with me, I really valued their friendship. And in fact, it strengthened our relationship because they had the ability to be real. And I've learned from their advice. You see, verse 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. 
You see, character is not developed in isolation. You see, character development is always happens in community. And in fact, our hearts are proved and improved through connection, through interaction. And you know what? Technology kills our interactions with one another. See, technology is good in so many ways, don't get me wrong. Technology right now is helping us to gather online. You know, so many people you know, across the UK and beyond are gathering online right now as I speak. Technology is fantastic. We even saw the benefit of technology in our Alpha courses. Alpha is a fantastic way to explore the Christian faith in a really relaxed setting. And we ran one last term, and literally we had people not only across the UK, but we had people joining us from Ghana, from Spain, from America. It was amazing to see that technology was able to bring us together and explore the Christian faith in that way. Technology has so many good things about it. We can see that even in our homes right now. But technology also weakens our ability to form strong relationships. You see, research has shown that you know, too much internet usage, too much technology usage, lessens our ability to concentrate, lessens our ability to empathize, lessens our ability to actually care for one another and hold conversations with one another. That's why I personally have decided actually to turn my phone off for 24 hours a week. So every Friday at six o'clock, I'm gonna turn my phone off for 24 hours until 6 p.m. on a Saturday. That's because I realized that internet and technology is making me distracted. It's not enabling me to be present in the moment for the ones that I love and have honest conversations with people. So you can ask me how it's going in a few weeks time. I'm doing it for the next four weeks, seeing how it goes but I'm committed to this because I believe that it will help me to engage with people in person. You see, my fear is that we're being more transformed and more shaped by our iPhones and less shaped by the Bible. And what we really want is to be more shaped by the Word of God and less shaped by our iPhones. And so we are to have face-to-face conversations with each other. We're to be frank, we're to be honest, we're to be real with one another because we know that we refine and shape one another just like precious metal, just like that iron sharpens iron, we can sharpen one another when we're in honest, real dialogue. You see, every single one of us needs a friend that can tell us, no, don't do that, that was, that was stupid. And yes, do that, that's good. We all need someone who can do that for us. Step into connection, be frank. Secondly, we are to be faithful. The first part of verse 10 says this, do not forsake your friend or a friend of your family. Do not forsake is not really a phrase that I hear very much, certainly in the circles that I walk in. Do not forsake, it simply means to not leave someone behind in a moment of need. It means to be a faithful friend, it means to always turn up, it means to be there for one another, even in the bad times. My dad was a proud African from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and he passed away a few years ago And uh, after he passed away, I was just amazed by the response from the Congolese community. They would gather around me and my family. They were loyal and faithful to my dad and to us. And each day, for about two weeks after the, the Thanksgiving service we had, they would come to our house unannounced. They'd bring food, they'd bring drink, and they would just sit and be with us. They were faithful friends. I remember all that they did and, and many others did. I was really grateful for that. You see, even when hard times hit, we're to be faithful friends. We're to be there for one another, not to forsake one another, but to be faithful friends, to turn up in the good times and the bad times. Step into connection. Be frank, be faithful, and thirdly, 
be family. You see, the second part of verse 10 says this. Do not go to your relative's house when disaster strikes you. Better a neighbour nearby than a relative far away. You see, verse 10 goes even further to teach us that friends can be like family. You see, as Christians, we probably don't have a hard time understanding this. You see, when you become a Christian, you are adopted into his family and you consider everyone family. Family isn't kind of resigned to your nuclear family. Actually, family goes far broader, far wider. You see, those in your family number way more than those who live at your address. And this really, really challenges us to think about our view of family, doesn't it? It's not just about genes or biology, but actually we are to be family to everyone. We're to be good neighbours to everyone, those inside the church and those outside the church. That's what this verse challenges us to think. It challenges us to be neighbours to everyone, welcoming to everyone, being family to everyone. You know, we can quite easily get into the habit of prioritising our nuclear family and our closest, best friends and we neglect our calling to be family to everyone around us not just those who are biologically connected to us and even those who make life uncomfortable for us you see verse 10 teaches us that we're to be such good friends with people such good family with people that they would choose to come to us that live nearby rather than traveling further away to a relative you see we are such good friends with them that they'd rather come to us when disaster strikes and not travel far away to see a relative. See, do you not see that often our relationships can be quite selfish? You see, our relationships, you know, can be quite self-serving. They can be quite selfish in the sense that we choose relationships and friendships that make us feel good, that make our lives seem exciting, that, you know, give us an ego boost. We choose friendships that are convenient, not ones that are uncomfortable. But choosing friends that are convenient are not the way of Jesus. It's not the way of Jesus. See, you see, Jesus said some really radical things. For example, Jesus was uh, in Luke 14. He was at a dinner party and he turns to the host of the dinner party and he says to the host, he has the audacity to say to the host, when you throw a lunch or a dinner, do not invite your friends. Do not invite your relatives. Do not invite your brother or your sister. Don't invite your rich neighbors. Why? Because they can invite you back and they'll repay you. Instead, when you throw a dinner party, when you throw a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And even though they will not be able to repay you, you will be blessed. (laughs) Isn't that challenging? Now, some of us may sit there and think, come on, Jesus, you're having a laugh, right? You're expecting me to, to invite the poor, the lame, the crippled around my house. You're having a laugh. You're messing around. Well, Jesus wasn't playing around. Jesus wasn't messing around. He was being deadly serious. Now, Jesus wasn't saying, you know, don't ever hang out with your friends. He wasn't saying that. Jesus spent lots of time with his friends. But the point is, he didn't just spend time with his friends. You see, Jesus spent time with all sorts of people, those who others overlooked. You see, Jesus spent time with a bunch of randoms. Uh, By randoms, I I mean, you know, people that are strangers. You you know what I mean? He spent time with people who others overlooked and he incorporated them, included them in his group. And so too are us as Christians were to look out for those who others overlook. 
You might remember that at the start, I talked about me and Amy just investing in a couple of people. You know, we invested in a few friends, but we've never done that exclusively. We've always done our very best and we don't always get it right, but we've always done our very best to reach out to others and include them. And so as lockdown eases, as we have more freedoms in our life, as we have more time and opportunity to hang out with people, how will we use our freedom in a wise way? Will we just hang out with our close family and friends? Or will we follow the way of Jesus and reach out to others and be family to them? Will we invite those who cannot repay us around our house, even those who may make our lives uncomfortable, will we reach out to them and be family to them? That is the way of Jesus. Step into connection. Be frank, be faithful, be family. And lastly, I want to say we need to step towards God. You see, we all get our relationships wrong. We all make them an absolute mess. And that's why we need to step towards God. We need to ask him for forgiveness and for help. You see, thankfully, Jesus has been the perfect friend on our behalf. And he gives us the power to be the perfect friends that he calls us to be to other people. You see, look at verse six. You may have missed this on first reading. Look at verse six. It says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Now, you remember that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, the sign of his betrayal was a kiss. It says in Luke chapter 22 that Judas Iscariot was coming to Jesus and Jesus turns to Judas and says, Judas, are you going to betray the son of man with a kiss? You may know the story. Judas kisses Jesus. He betrays him. You see, Jesus knew what it was like to be betrayed. He knew what it was like to be isolated and lonely. On the cross, everybody deserted him, his friends, but also God. On the very cross where he takes upon himself the sin and the guilt of the whole world, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, even on the cross, God is, sorry, Jesus is isolated. He's abandoned by God for us on our behalf. He takes upon himself the guilt and shame of the whole world so that through faith in him we can become friends with him and have the power to be friends with other people. You see Jesus says in John chapter 15 he says this, my command is this to love each other as I has loved you. Greater love has none than this than for one person to lay their lives down for their friends. You see, Jesus literally laid his life down for his friends, the people that trusted in him and all us who trust in him. He laid his life down for us so that through faith we can be reconnected, reconciled with God and with other people. You see, Jesus as the perfect friend, he does not boast. His burden is not heavy like carrying sand or stone. It's easy and light. He tells us the truth always. When we stray, he welcomes us back with open arms. His word tastes sweet to our lips, just like honey. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us alone. He came to save us even though we could never repay him. Even though we don't deserve it, through faith we are adopted into his family. He makes a home with us and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he helps us to live for him. You see, that's why we're to step towards God. You see, he has stepped towards us in Jesus and he helps us to connect, to connect with him and to connect with other people. He helps us to be frank, to be faithful and to be family, to be the family that he's called us to be. We can't do this. We have no hope without trusting in Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond. 
And I'm specifically talking to those of us who have never made a first time commitment to follow Christ, but also to those who would like to make a recommitment. By recommitment, I mean that maybe you know, you've, you've believed in the past. Maybe you've known God in the past. Maybe you've even had a history of going to church. But right now you feel isolated from God. You don't sense or feel his presence. You feel like you've walked away from him. And today may be the opportunity to come back to him, to announce him as your Lord and Saviour and to make a recommitment saying, I'm no longer going to live my way. I'm going to live God's way. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond as a first time commitment or to come back to God and make a recommitment by putting your trust in Jesus today. You are using three words that are very familiar in the English language. You're going to be using sorry, please and thanks. Sorry, God, that I've walked my own way, not your way. I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. You're saying, please, please forgive me. Please come into my life. And thirdly, you're saying thanks. Thank you that in Jesus you lived for me, you died for me, you rose again for me so that I can be forgiven and restored to new life with God and with others. In a moment, we're going to sing a song. We're going to worship together. We're going to use a song called This Is My Desire. And as we worship, we're really saying that we want to give God everything. And rather than walking our own way, we want to walk God's way. We're going to sing this song in response. We're going to worship God. And in a minute, I'm going to come back. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come to God, to say please, sorry, to say sorry, please and thanks, and to come back to him. Let's worship together now and then we'll respond. Let's respond to God. You know, the Bible says that Jesus died once and for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. That is what is on offer for you right now. You can know forgiveness of your sin. You can know restoration to new life, life that starts now and goes on forever. And you can find a place of belonging in God's family. This is your moment. If you want to make a first time commitment or you want to make a recommitment, you're basically saying, I no longer want to live my way. I want to live God's way for him. And right now, wherever you are, whether you're joining us on your own or whether you're joining us with a group of people, let's engage with God right now. I'm going to ask you in a moment just to close your eyes and just repeat the words of a prayer just in your heart. You don't have to say it out loud. And then afterwards, if you're responding to God today, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Hopefully that is clear for you. So why don't we all just close our eyes right now and repeat these words in your heart if you're responding to God. Dear Heavenly Father, dear Heavenly Father, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry that I've lived my own way and not your way. Sorry that I've lived my own way and not your way. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Thank you that in Jesus, you died and rose again for me. I now turn from everything I know that is wrong. And I put my faith in Jesus, crucified and risen. Amen. While every eye is closed, I'm just going to ask you, if you're responding to God today for the first time or making a recommitment, I encourage you to put your hand up right now, wherever you are. Just physically put your hand up right now. You're reaching out to God. You're saying, I'm yours. I want to follow you. That's it. Well done. Well done for those of you who are already responding. Just put your hand up right now, wherever you are. And take that step of faith. Well done. I'm just going to give you a few more seconds 
if you want to respond to God today. Okay, amen, amen. Well, you know, heaven is rejoicing over one person who comes back to God. That's what the Bible says. And so we want to rejoice and thank God for every single one of you that's just put your hand up in response. And we're going to ask you to do one more thing. We're going to ask you to find the raise a hand button on your screen. You might need to look for it. If you just put your hand up, we'd love for you to click on the raise a hand button, then click on connect with us, fill out your details, and one of our team would love to come back to you answer any questions you have, just hear a bit more about you and support and pray with you as you start this new stage of your journey as a Christian. We would love for you to do that even right now. Just click on raise a hand, click on connect with us and we'd love to support you. Of course, if you would love prayer for anything else today, you can click on the prayer request button. And again, one of our team will come back to you and pray with you today. It's been a great service. I hope you've enjoyed being with us. And you know, I just wanna speak to those who maybe have got questions about the Christian faith. You know, Alpha is a fantastic course which enables you to explore life's biggest questions in a relaxed setting. We're running a new course in August, starting on Thursday the 6th of August from 8 o'clock until 9.30 in the evening. It's on Zoom. I'm actually going to be leading the course, and so we'd love to see you there. We'd love to get to know you and help you understand what it is to follow Jesus. You can go on our website, you can find out more information, and you can sign up even today for that course. We would love to see you there. Now, if you call Kings home, I'd love to encourage you right now to step into connection. Be frank, be faithful, be family. And even right now, be thinking about people you can reach out to this week and hang out with and be with and support one another. Well, I do hope you have a great week. I'm just going to end with the words of this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Have a great week.